The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
All right, good evening, commissioners. Good evening, everyone. We're going to go ahead and call this meeting to order tonight. Um, as we begin, begin the meeting, I'd like to ask you to join me in a moment of silence before we move to Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right, next we will have the roll call. Commissioner Yasasi. Present. Commissioner Ruppart. Here. Commissioner Lanier. Present. Commissioner O'Connor. Present. Commissioner Jones. Here. Commissioner Moody. Present. Mayor Bliss. Yes. Thank you. Um, so tonight we have a pretty full agenda. We have a number of scheduled public hearings. And before I introduce the interpreter, I'll just walk you through a couple things and then I'll ask that she repeat that for me. So the first opportunity for public comment is on specific agenda items that we'll be voting on tonight. Uh, then, then we have a number of scheduled public hearings. And commissioners, um, with your support, I'll take the first three together because they're all related to the same project. So our city attorney said with your uh, agreement to that, we'll do that. And um, those are all related to a brownfield plan for the Spectrum Health uh, System uh, project over on North Monroe. And then we have a public hearing on the Westside Corridor Improvement Authority tax increment financing plan, and then a public hearing on social districts. So if you are here tonight to be heard on any of those three items, I'm gonna ask you to stay put until I open up those public hearings for comment. Uh, and then at the end, we'll have a open public comment on any other items. Uh, so with that, I'll turn to our interpreter, and uh, if you Thank need you. interpretation services, you can ask for assistance. Thank you, Mayor, please. We are pleased to provide a Spanish interpretation services this evening. This includes interpretation during the meeting and for those who want to provide public comment. Buenas noches. Estamos complacidos de proveer servicios de interpretación en español esta noche. Esto incluye interpretación durante la reunión y para aquellos que quieren proveer comentario público. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you so much. All right, so next that will take us to our first opportunity for public comment. A couple things about public comment. If this is your first time to your meetings with us, uh, we ask that you respect the, this space, but also the meeting procedure. So this is an official city business meeting. Uh, and so we do have some expectations. Uh, so I'll draw your attention to some of them, including we ask that you don't clap or cheer or hold up signs. We also ask that you refrain from cursing, name calling, or making derogatory comments. Again, we want anyone in the space who wishes to be heard by this body to be able to speak their mind freely and not feel intimidated. So with that, we'll open up the first opportunity for public comment. Again, this is specific to agenda items. So earlier today, we had a number of standing committee meetings where we voted on items. And if you wanna speak on those, I see Mr. Miller coming up. We ask that you come up here, that you put your name on the clipboard so that we get your name accurately written down in our minutes. You'll be given up to three minutes to speak. We ask that you share your name, the city that you live in. And then for this first opportunity for public comment, we'd like you to be explicit about what agenda item you're speaking about. So if it's an appointments committee, item number two, please be explicit so that we can follow along with what you are speaking to. Again, and the other thing is that we ask that you direct your comments to this body and not the audience. Very pleasant good evening, everyone. This is the House of the People, watchdog reporting. Let's get to work. 
probably the most fun item is down on uh, D1, which is me misworded. Uh, let's on uh, 9B through B3. I see no address. Familiar name, Martin Apartments. Where in the heck is the address on that? So we can check this out first. Uh, 9C3, Laker Lunacy Debacle. Uh, on, uh, uh, an item on Collindale. There's no stop on Collindale. You West Side guys really best botch that up. Before you blew $73 million, and uh, Red Pirates got an additional bus stop out there, but there's no way to transfer at Collindale under 9C3 uh, between the local 12 and the Express 50. $73 million gone, absolutely gone on that full Laker Lunacy do, uh, debacle. Uh, 8, 1, and 2. Uh, Let's see, uh, uh, let's go to 7-1, affordable housing. Housing would be much more affordable if you would uh, ban the illegals to start, bounce the illegals. Uh, Mr. Miller, eight, Mr. Miller. 8-1 and 2. Uh, Mr. Miller, Mr. Miller, I've, you know the rules of this space. No derogatory comments. Stop it. Mr. Miller, you're, Mr. Miller, your time's up. Your time's up. Yes, no, no, your time's up. No, no, Mr. Miller. Mr. Miller, you and I have talked about this before. Your time is up. Your time is up, Mr. Miller. Mr. Miller, your time's up. No more, Mr. Miller. Mr. Miller. All right, I'm going to close that opportunity. Mr. Miller, I'm going to ask you to leave if you don't sit down. All right, effort. Uh, that public comment period is closed, and that will take us to approval of minutes. Commissioners, can I get a motion for approval of minutes? So vote. Support. Support. Any comments or questions? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. Next, that will take us to petitions and communications. We have four items on yep. petitions and communications. The first one is communications. There were 16 of them received regarding appointments to the Affordable Housing Board. That is received and filed. Communication received from Marina Tiedemann urging City Commission to communicate their opposition to Seoul, Korea's dog meat industry to our sister city, Seoul, Gangnam District, South Korea. That's received and filed. Communication received from David Koss expressing opposition to the water rate increases. That's received and filed. And communication from Joshua Verhulst regarding their resignation from the Economic Development Corporation and Brownfield Redevelopment Authority. And that is referred to our Committee on Appointments. All right, next that will take us to reports of city officers. Uh, Comptroller's report for the period of November 3, 2021 through November 23, 2021 in the amount of $40,582,582.33. All right, that's received and filed. And Treasurer's report for the period of November 2, 2021 through November 22, 2021. And that is also received and filed. And the City Clerk has submitted copies of the General Retirement System Annual Actuarial Valuation for the year ending June 30, 2021. And that's received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. So our consent agenda are items that we voted on earlier today in one of our standing committee meetings where there was unanimous vote. So tonight with one voice vote, we'll adopt those items. Commissioners, can I get a motion for the consent agenda? Motion. All right, moved and supported. Any additional questions or comments? All right, all those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, next that will take us to ordinances to be adopted. And we have two ordinances before us tonight. 
The first one is the ordinance amending section 4.2 of ordinance 2019-56, new classification partnerships and development coordinator. All right, can I get a motion? Support. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioner O'Connor, you wanna tell us about this one? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Uh, yeah, this is just a reclassification that had uh, been done by our uh, HR department and uh, approved by civil service just to reclassify uh, the range for these jobs. All right, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, this is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Repart? Yes. Commissioner Lanier? Yes. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Sassi? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes. And commissioners, can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? So move. Support. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, that'll take us to our second ordinance to be adopted tonight. The second ordinance is a, an ordinance to amend section 4.4 of ordinance 2019-55, range change for parking customer service representative one and establishment of a new classification, utilities, operations, and maintenance crew leader. So moved. All right, moved and supported. Uh, Commissioner Isasi, you want to tell us about this? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, these are just uh, two items that we reviewed actually at our last civil service meeting on November 9th. Um, one was to uh, realize some of the changes in the customer service interaction moving from sort of the traditional booths into the dispatch center and then, um, as was stated, establishment of, of the operations and crew leader. Great, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, commissioners, any questions or comments about that? All right, seeing none, this is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Lanier? Aye. Commissioner Jones? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Sassi? Yes. Commissioner Ruppart? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. And can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? The moved. All right, moved and supported. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, commissioners, that will take us to our scheduled public hearings tonight. So um, with your support, I'll read the first three. And we have Mr. Kluster here tonight to tell us about these items. Uh, and then we'll open it up. I do believe that we have representation from Spectrum here tonight. Alan's here. So we'll, uh, I'll read them and open it up. And then we'll turn it to Mr. Kluster and then invite representation from Spectrum Health to join us. Uh, so the first one is a public hearing to consider a brownfield plan amendment for the Spectrum Health <laughs> System Center for Transformation and Innovation Project. And a companion with that is a public hearing on the removal of certain property from the City of Grand Rapids Downtown Development Authority Tax Increment Finance District. And then a public hearing on the removal of certain property from the Smart Zone Local Development Finance Authority Certified Technology Park Boundary. Uh, so a notice of these three public hearings related to this project have been made pursuant to state law. Uh, so we'll have Mr. Kluster tell us about this. Uh, we'll invite representation from Spectrum up after that, see if you have any questions, and then we'll open it up for public comment. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening. Um, so I'll give a little more color to all of the specific public hearings in a moment. Um, but briefly, this is obviously a very significant project for the City of Grand Rapids and one that we've been working on for some time with Spectrum Health, um, CTI will be C CTI, the Center for Transformation and Innovation, which is the project, which is the subject of this public hearing, will be approximately 300,000 square foot campus that consolidates locations currently both inside and outside of the city of Grand Rapids. Spectrum, as you know, is the region's largest employer, employing 31,000 individuals, 15,000 of whom work in the city on a regular basis and 5,500 of whom are City of Grand Rapids residents. 
It's approximately a $100 million project that will house 1,800 employees when it's completed. And Mr. Alan Cranzo is here, who's the um, Director of Strategic Real Estate Initiatives at Spectrum Health. I'm going to hand it over to him to give you a brief overview of the project and the impetus behind it for Spectrum and some details of the construction project. And then I will come back and, and put more color around the specific public hearings and the application. Okay. Mr. Thank, thank you. Welcome, Mr. Cranzo. Good evening, Mayor Bliss, and good evening to the rest of the commissioners. Uh, for those that I have not had a pleasure to meet, uh, my name is Alan Cranzo, and as noted, I'm the uh, Senior Director of our Real Estate Strategy and our Planning Team for Spectrum Health. Uh, it's my pleasure to share with you uh, details about Spectrum Health Center for Transformation and Innovation, and as noted, I will refer to it as CTI. Uh, for the rest of this presentation. Um, on the very first slide, and just one second, it clearly outlines our goals and objectives and why we are uh, investing $100 million in a new building in North Monroe. Uh, there are six very distinct goals that clearly outline uh, the business need uh, in terms of why we are investing in this new building. First and foremost is our workplace strategy. And so it is our intent, especially now in the midst of COVID where over 80% of our staff are currently working from home to be safe. Uh, we want to create a flexible and productive uh, workplace environment for our team members so they can come and go uh, throughout the workday and week. And so in the past, we anticipated that every employee had a workspace and going forward, now that we're working differently, we certainly need a different workplace strategy at Spectrum Health. The second item is, is really around the continued growth of clinical care, where we need to grow several services at the medical center and on the medical mile and within the greater Grand Rapids community. By, so by uh, consolidating these services into one building, allows for us to leverage existing real estate that we already own uh, for this clinical growth. Another important factor uh, is around operational efficiency. As you'll hear later, uh, we have administrative functions in over 28 different buildings across West Michigan. And this new building will allow us to eliminate a number of leases and in turn lower our cost per square foot. A big important factor is this controlled expansion. So as we make that initial investment on a new building, uh, that, that initial investment will be able to be leveraged over time as we grow over time as a healthcare system. And so this will be a destination for Spectrum Health, uh, for our employees, for other healthcare systems across West Michigan, as well as a destination for our community partners. Um, obviously, this will have a very. This is a very important factor uh, for our community and for our strategic partners in growing medical and bioscience across the medical mile. So this will create an environment and a platform to align with other strategic partners uh, across uh, the medical mile. And again, just another important aspect is being closely connected uh, with the city 
and with other leaders and experts that are really at the forefront of innovation uh, in West Michigan and making West Michigan that place of destination across the world. So let's talk a little bit about um, the site plan and how we intend to make this initial investment. For those that are familiar with the North Monroe area, uh, you will see here in the lower left area, uh, Embassy Suites as a starting point. Our, we are intending to build a new facility uh, just south of Embassy Suites and we'll build an eight-story, 157,000 square foot building. We will connect that with a, with a two-story connector bridge, an activation bridge, uh, that will be connected to the existing Brassworks building. It is our intent to modernize Brassworks. In fact, right now we're in the midst of demolition and that building will be completely modernized. So uh, aside from uh, a, a retail uh, presence on the first floor uh, where Jimmy John's is located today, the rest of the building will, will ultimately be all Spectrum Health. And so this campus will be our workplace uh, not just within the four walls of these two buildings, but the campus itself will also have a pavilion which allows our staff a lot of flexibility to work in various areas. We will also provide uh, convenient uh, and access to parking by building two new ramps, uh, one connected to the new building and the other one connected or across the street. Uh, where the old manufacturing plant used to be. This site will also allow a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of growth. Uh, we own approximately 10 acres in this particular area, and so this is where the controlled expansion uh, comes into play. So when you think about this North Monroe area, um, Spectrum Health CTI development does really fit well into our long-term uh, strategy in developing and expanding the medical mile. Again, uh, CTI will essentially expand uh, the medical mile to the north and grow other programs uh, that are also on the medical mile today. I also want to mention that we believe it will accelerate the, the river development and uh, and parkland along the Grand River and that will be a tremendous amenity for uh, Spectrum Health and for others in the community. It should also be noted that we have engaged with our neighbors in the North Monroe area including the North Monroe Business Association and the Belknap neighborhood among other individual uh, neighbors in that area. I also want to let you know that um, we will uh, also uh, be very careful in our larger strategy to expand or have other potential partnership opportunities with mixed use developers to assure that we have the appropriate amenities for the community and for other workers uh, who will call this place their home and we will continue to partner with the city. Uh, to identify the most appropriate development opportunities for this area. So I don't know if you want to open it up for questions right now or I'll turn it back to Jono to finish the presentation. All right, let me see. Commissioners, uh, any questions specifically for Alan? I do. 
Commissioner Moody, did you yeah. have your hand up? Yep. Thank you. Um, at our last uh, Brownfield uh, Redevelopment Authority meeting, we did uh, vote on this and passed it through. Um, but we did have some questions in reference to um, affordable health care. Uh, we, we talked about that. I don't know if you were, you remember that or not. We wanted to get a clear understanding of what does that mean uh, when you are in a community where you might have individuals who can't afford hospital care. Uh, we use that word affordable so loosely sometimes instead of getting straight to the point as to what uh, that really means. Then the second thing, uh, you use uh, mixed developers. Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean minority contractors? Because we talked about minority contractors working with Spectrum Health through uh, Rockford Construction Company. So can you elaborate on those two things for me, please? Let me first speak to the community programs that Spectrum Health is actively engaged with uh, with the city. Uh, first of all, uh, in a recent uh, community commitment report that came out on November 9th of just this year, um, it clearly outlines that Spectrum Health has established a fund uh, to provide quality health care programs for the underserved in this community. And this fund is, is being budgeted in the amount of $6 million per year. And so that's one example. Another example is that in April of 21, uh, we, uh, in response to the Cure Violence uh, global concern that uh, we acknowledged the violence in our community as a, as a public health care crisis in that we were the first community partner to pledge a financial support of $300,000 in support of that program. Um, I'll speak to one other item and I certainly have a lot of examples, Mr. Moody, that I can um, outline, but Healthier Communities uh, is certainly a benefit to uh, the community that does serve and support many different um, healthcare opportunities in the community. There's over 25 different uh, ones that I could um, outline and list. And that would be uh, a number of different examples of how we're supporting the community to make healthcare more affordable. Could you repeat your second question? Can you speak to, uh, his second question was related to the utilization of minority-owned contractors or subcontractors or MLBEs, and, and maybe even Mr. Kluster can speak to that as well. So I'm going to have uh, John uh, speak to that, and we also have Rockford uh, Construction here as a guest as well to speak to that item. All right. I see Mr. Mathis back there, so. All right. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to, um, so there are three public hearings tonight, and they're all related. So two of them are um, related to removing properties from various TIF districts. The reason for those actions being recommended to you is to effectuate the brownfield support for this project. So when we have overlapping tax increment finance districts, aligning those in the right way is important to making the incentive work. And so for the Downtown Development Authority, they have recommended to you, their board has recommended to you removing uh, a portion of 710 Monroe, which is the Embassy Suites Hotel from the DDA TIF District. And the Smart Zone Local Development Finance Authority has recommended to you removing um, uh, several parcels, including the same portion of the hotel, all of the property being developed by Spectrum as part of the CTI and several other parcels that are no longer um, prudent to remain inside of the smart zone. 
if those properties are then are removed, then the Brownfield Authority um, can move forward with its support for the project. And so this is a little bit of a unique approach in that um, Spectrum has submitted a revised Brownfield Plan Amendment that incorporates and references previously approved projects. Those projects include 538 bond, which was the initial icon on bond project, the 601 bond uh, address, which is the 15-story apartment building that was completed in 2019, and then the 710 Monroe, the Embassy Suites Hotel. And so this Brownfield Plan Amendment now sort of replaces all of those previous amendments and rolls everything into one. It describes the Spectrum CTI project and adds about $22 million of Brownfield eligible activity costs. We do expect that about $16 million of that will be reimbursed to Spectrum over 21 years. Um, and so it's hard to see through the glass here. Um, <laughs> this, the, the project, I'll do my best. So, um, so the project then, as was described, consolidates various operations, including the ones you see there, medical group operations, finance, quality and safety, human resources and risk and compliance, all of the non-patient facing operations for Spectrum. It consolidates uh, 18 locations, 15 that are inside of Grand Rapids, and importantly, three that are not in Grand Rapids. Uh, those three that are outside of Grand Rapids, the result of that will be 350 jobs coming to Grand Rapids that are currently not inside the city. Um, and that average wage for those jobs is in excess of $30 an hour. And that translates to an estimated $220,000 of new city income taxes per year. And then to address the, uh, the question Commissioner Moody asked, um, an, an important one, and important in all the work that we do in economic development, is um, working with Spectrum on our shared commitment to ensure that there is equitable opportunity, access to opportunity for a diverse group of contractors to perform on this project. When we um, proposed and began implementing the inclusion plan, that's a part of all of our incentive programs, we were transparent that every project is different. Um, this project, uh, we've arrived at a commitment of $7.1 million. As a reference point, in um, all of our previous applications, which we feel are very successful, the total commitment to date has been about $6 million. Mm -hmm. And so this more than doubles that in a single project. That is broken down by $4 million anticipated to be contracted with minority-owned contractors, $1.6 with women-owned contractors, and $1.5 million with micro-local contractors. Um, I'll, I will address your question, uh, Commissioner Moody, and if you have any follow-ups, we'll be happy to respond as necessary. This project is obviously, um, the construction is quite different than, for instance, a four-story wood-framed um, apartment building. And it involves several scopes of work that take up a significant portion of the budget, um, for which there are no local minority women-owned or micro-local contractors that can commercially perform um, the task. And so there are large, large portions of the project that we agree with Rockford that cannot be performed um, by local contractors in this target list. And so that, by its very nature, shrinks the opportunity that's available. However, I do think that um, the work that we've done with Rockford and with Spectrum um, to arrive at this $7.1 million is a very significant effort, and if achieved, will be a very significant accomplishment as well. And so we feel good about it. We're happy to support this and believe that it's a, a quite aggressive goal and that we will um, continue to partner with, with Spectrum and Rockford on other opportunities that present themselves 
in the future related to access to uh, economic opportunity, but we believe that this is a very significant commitment on the part of Spectrum uh, through our inclusion plan program. Uh, and I'll conclude um, briefly by just sort of emphasizing how this project obviously has a huge economic impact, keeping it in the city of Grand Rapids, um, both the construction as well as the 1,800 employees that will remain in the city um, with their disposable income to support the neighborhood businesses and the downtown area, um, create access to new employment opportunities for Grand Rapids residents is obviously significant. But the, um, the outcomes of this related to uh, healthcare innovation are, are uh, obviously a continuation of the efforts that the Smart Zone has undertaken over the years and that we continue to work on through the Smart Zone um, and is very much in alignment with the plans of the Downtown Development Authority and DGRI. And we expect that this will be an accelerant to, um, as Mr. Cranzo mentioned, other development, but also other um, quality of life projects that we can partner with Spectrum and Downtown Grand Rapids and the neighborhood associations on. So that will conclude our presentation and we'll be happy to answer any questions or follow-ups. Okay, I'll see if there's any questions or comments. And commissioners, I'll just, um, I'll just affirm that uh, at our last DDA meeting, this was approved by the, by the authority and then it was also approved uh, at the Smart Zone Authority. So, commissioners, any questions or comments? Commissioner, let me just quickly, Mayor, can we um, have a copy of the presentation, Jono? Do I have one? Not now, but if you can just email that to us, yep. it would be great. Thank you. Great, thank you. Uh, I see representatives from Rockford uh, came forward. Is there anything that you would like to add? Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners and, and leadership. So from, uh, from uh, my name is Brad Mathis. I'm our Vice President for Community Development and Inclusion at Rockford Construction. And I'd just like to say that one, we are just really excited about the opportunity of working with Spectrum Health and also ultimately working with the community on this project. We know that to some extent there's, there's never enough that can be done, but we do feel confident that we've maximized the amount of participation. Um, I think many of you all know that Rockford has been involved with <clears throat> our commitment to WMBE, particularly women, black, brown contractors. Um, we take it very seriously. We've been very successful at tracking our outcomes, both in terms of dollars spent as well as boots on the ground. And this um, opportunity to really partner with Spectrum Health and in the community is just another really strong opportunity for us to really um, build on the economic development of the community. Um, we mentioned seven million dollars. When you look at the overall project, it doesn't always seem like a huge amount, but I can tell you from working with so many of these minority contractors very intimately, I talk to many of them almost once every two weeks. It's a big deal in terms of what it means for their businesses and their overall growth. So we're excited to be part of it. We appreciate the commitment that the city has with the economic inclusion plan. This is our second time uh, working on one of those plans and uh, it's really moving our community in the right direction. So we thank you for that.
Thank you, Mr. Mathis. Appreciate that. All right, uh, Commissioner Isasi, and then we'll open it up for a public comment. Thank you. Thanks for the presentation. I, uh, I know you shared about some of the other authorities, and I know um, I have the opportunity to go not all the time to the North Monroe Business Association meetings, and I know there's been a lot of engagement there, so thank you for that work. Um, I did want to um, just ask a question about sort of overall mobility, and obviously I saw the two parking structures, but any other thoughts about how we can be uh, collaborative as it relates to the number of people coming into, the, into this um, area? which is very positive for uh, a number of the businesses that you talked about and existing businesses, but just additional plans. I know obviously a lot of other uh, studies going into that, but how can we utilize uh, and connect to our DASH services and other pieces? I know Spectrum has been committed to providing staff members with rapid uh, transport uh, passes if they'd like. Um, so I know you have that commitment, but if you can talk a little bit more about just overall mobility uh, plans, that'd be great. Thank you. Sounds great. Thank you. That's a great question. So we obviously promote um, alternate transportation, and uh, we have a number of employees that do take advantage of that. I think one really great thing about this development is that um, through our traffic study and through our parking study, that we believe that we've hit the sweet spot on how many parking spaces we truly need. I think the biggest thing of all is uh, we're starting to utilize um, parking uh, software that allows us to manage and monitor utilization of, of the parking on an hourly basis. And uh, through that, we would uh, use that utilization to help us understand if there's any future need uh, to add any more additional parking beyond than what we have. Uh, another element that I wanna mention through partnership with the city that we just did recently conduct, a mobility study that takes a look at pedestrian movement and vehicular movement. And that study included uh, the medical mile uh, as well as North Monroe. So the, these two areas really work hand in hand uh, because we do have caregivers and workers that, do, that will navigate between these two buildings. And we certainly want to create a path for walking in between the two campuses, whereas today they may go in the car. So other programs that the city is looking at, like the Switchback Project and others, we are um, actively engaged in that work, and uh, we are really interested in hearing about how we can al allow for um, our, our uh, community to find different ways of uh, navigating uh, this community without having to hop in their car and, and park. So those are a number of examples that we're really actively engaged uh, in at this time. Thank you. All right. So with that, I'll open it up. So if you are here tonight to be heard on this public hearing, you're welcome to come forward. Again, we ask that you share your name, uh, the city that you live in, and we'll give you up to three minutes to speak. All right, seeing none, I will close those public comment periods and those public hearings, and this will, all three of those commissioners will be referred back to our committee of the whole. All right, next that will take us to a public hearing, and this is to consider the amended West Side Corridor Improvement Authority Tax Increment Financing and Development Plans. Uh, so this also has been made public according to state law, and we'll start with having Mr. Kluster tell us about this item, and then we'll see if there's anyone who wishes to be heard. Thank you, uh, Mayor. So this, um, as stated, is a public hearing to consider amended tax increment finance and development plan. It's really just an amendment to the tax increment financing portion of that plan. 
The Westside Corridor Improvement Authority originally approved their plan on December, had their plan approved by you on December 16, 2014. Um, this amendment uh, proposed is simply to change how the uh, tax increment revenues are calculated for the authority, and specifically it removes personal property from that calculation. The reason that this is being recommended is in significant part due to the changes in how personal property is taxed in the city of Grand Rapids, or sorry, in the state of Michigan, um, based on 2014 legislation, which began a phase out of personal property tax on manufacturing property. The impact specifically on the West Side Corridor Improvement Authority is, is significant, and it's resulted in a steep decline in their revenues over the last couple of years, even as real property values have increased. So, Absent this amendment, we would expect that impact to continue to get worse and actually there'd never be a recovery from that. The impact wouldn't go away. Um, the Corridor Improvement Authority has reviewed this plan and recommended it to you on October 1st of this year. And we do have a board member, Mr. Dave Schaefer here. And I'll ask him to come up uh, representing the Corridor Improvement Authority and share a few comments. And I'll be happy to answer any questions after that. All right, thank you. Thank Welcome, you. Commissioner. Is this the first time you've been in <laughs> our chamber since it you left? It <laughs> looks different from this side, yeah. <laughs> so th thank you all, and again, thank you so much for your service. Um, you know, as was stated, this really is just a matter of uh, redefining um, what we actually would capture. The area stays the same. Um, actually, the objectives and outcomes of what we fund stay the same. I think for those who were involved when we first did this, it was really around how do the neighborhood groups interact? What do they do? That whole process, that whole plan is exactly the same. Um, well, it's great to have good um, industrial businesses in your area and city, the, the personal property tax that, that does really excludes a lot. Um, of, of revenue, which just lessens the impact of what we're able to do to really create good infrastructure that helps the neighborhood and the business district. So it's really not much but a administrative language change, but it's important to have the hearing and part of the state process. So happy to answer any, any questions you have. Yeah, great. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner O'Connor, you serve on this body. Anything uh, to add? No, I just, it's, uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work that the Quarter Improvement Authority has done in, in its uh, time since 2014. Uh, we just had our meeting last week and we're able to review all the projects we've done in the last year and it's really uh, quite significant the, the amount of businesses uh, and impact we've had on, in, throughout the entire, entirety of the West Side and, you know, just fixing this problem sooner than later is important so that we can, uh, we can continue to invest in quality outcomes for the neighborhood. Yeah, thank you. Commissioners, any uh, questions? Commissioner Lanier? I'd just like to say thank you, Commissioner, for joining us this evening and and sharing this. I can remember when we voted to approve back in 2014 yeah, um, no. this this SID. And so I'm, I'm appreciative that you guys are still doing the work, staying the course, and you're still committed to seeing the follow through of the goals that was set before um, that body. And so thank you for bringing this back so that we can figure out a way to get more revenue um, to the Corridor Improvement District Authority. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Commissioner. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? Oof. Yeah. We were in Creston High School's auditorium when we had the hearing <laughs> for this one. I remember that. Good memory, good memory. All right, Commissioners, any other questions uh, for either Mr. Kluster or uh, Commissioner Schaefer? All right, thank you. All right, so if you were here tonight to be heard on this public hearing related to the West Side Quarter Improvement District, now's an opportunity to come forward and share your thoughts. 
All right, seeing none, we'll close that public hearing and commissioners, this will be referred again back to Committee of the Whole. All right, that will take us to our final scheduled public hearing tonight. And this is a public hearing on the future of the seven existing social districts. Uh, and again, this has been made public uh, pursuant to state law and we'll have Mr. Canfield tell us about this item and then if he wished to be heard on this item, uh, I will open it up after commissioners have an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, Mr. Canfield. All right, uh, good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. This public hearing is on the future status of the seven social districts the Commission has designated over the past 16 months. And as a brief overview, social districts are commonly known as refreshment areas. They are large areas where to-go alcoholic beverages can be purchased from nearby businesses that are permitted, carried outside, and consumed within the district. Um, they were enabled by a new state law during the middle of last year, and they are not the same as social zones, although the two uh, concepts can be confusing and sometimes interchanged, but social zones are outdoor seating areas that the city previously authorized under longstanding policies, um, and each seating area is individually permitted, may be modified or removed based on various factors like utilization, uh, seasonal, as in winter service requirements, or safety. And I should note roughly half of the seating areas that were previously permitted have been modified uh, in preparation for winter. I'm going to quickly uh, note the locations of the seven existing social districts. So the downtown Grand Rapids Social District is in the uh, Hotel Arena District covering a pretty large area, Monroe North and then Stockbridge on the west side. The Wealthy Street Social District is on Wealthy from Union to Eastern. The West Fulton Social District is on Fulton from Garfield to Marion. Creston Social District is on Plainfield from Carrier to Sweet. The 4th and Stocking Social District is not surprisingly on Stocking from 4th to 5th. And uh, the Michigan Street Social District is on Michigan from Dudley Place to Mid-Block between Houseman and Diamond. And finally, the West Leonard Social District is on Leonard from Alpine to US 131. And at this time, I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Mark Miller. Here he is. He is the uh, Managing Director of Planning and Design at Downtown Grand Rapids Incorporated. He will cover the next two slides. Great. Thank you, Mr. Canfield. Mr. Miller, welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think that this, this slide really um, is an indication of a specific event that happened on November 9th, as you're all aware of, uh, but it's, it's going back. It's more of a, a broader commitment that we all made when we started these programs back in 2020, and it was really an attempt to continue to discuss, refine, and adapt them as situations changed. And I think that this is a, an emblematic example of that, where we uh, realized that uh, an MLCC interpretation uh, required us to make some changes so that we could continue to have special events. And so we excluded uh, uh, four areas in order to continue special events in those areas the Anabawan Park, Calder Plaza, DeVos Convention Center, and Rosa Parks Circle. Um, I think that the uh, this is really just, a, as I said, a, an emblematic thing where we have continually modified these things, uh, had conversations about them, and uh, I think we continue to do that as we progress forward with them. 
then the, the, the next slide is really part of that conversation. So there was a, a survey done uh, in mid-October and I think that from our perspective at DGRI and, and the, the, the downtown district that we manage, this was a really uh, encouraging set of information. Uh, there was 95% of the people that heard about them, but I think more importantly, 98% of the respondents had a positive experience regarding them. And I think that that's a, that's a, a really good way to sort of litmus test these things. Uh, I think that the, the other thing that, that we go into when we look at these things is uh, what, what are they doing to our neighborhoods and our downtowns? And I, I think that uh, one of the things that we certainly monitor is what's happening with pedestrian traffic, pedestrian activity, activity on the streets. And I think that uh, this slide tells us that these, these have been effective in many areas at maintaining an overall positive pedestrian count, even though during the pandemic we had substantial drops in many areas. So I think the, the part that's uh, highlighted here is uh, traffic on Ionia and Oaks more than doubled during this initial deployment of, of this initiative. Uh, and then I, I think that we, we have talked to various businesses, so you can see one of the quotes. I'm not going to read it to you, uh, but I, I think that it is similar to many of the other things that we've heard anecdotally from businesses. And um, there's a lot of discussion from the business owners about the increase in the, the customers who are socializing more freely. Uh, they also, you know, one person told us that it encourages their guests to expand and try other venues because they're in an area and they can sort of meander to another area. So that cross sort of pollination really begins to activate some of these districts that don't often see, you know, that kind of activity. So I think that that's been a, a very big improvement in some of these areas, in most of these areas, in fact. Uh, and then I think the last thing I'll, I'll mention, um, besides these anecdotal conversations that we've had with, with business owners, um, we has, at DGRI, because we are managing this fairly large district, we get a lot of inquiries from cities in the state of Michigan asking us for advice, how we did it, what are some pitfalls, what, what, what things we would do to make recommendations to them. But I think the most interesting story that I have in regards to that, besides all these local uh, uh, um, cities is um, in a few months ago a bunch of cities in North Carolina held a panel discussion and we were invited to sit on that panel discussion uh, because their state had just passed, North Carolina had just passed a very similar state law as, as ours and after we got done we, we were talking with them sort of offline and some of these restaurateurs had come to Grand Rapids just on vacation and had walked around our downtown and saw how this was functioning, how it was supporting businesses, how much vibrancy it was adding to the, the, the district, uh, and how easy it was to understand. And they, they had worried that these kind of things would turn into crazy street parties, and they didn't see that. There was, there was no indication of any of that stuff. So they came back home and they advocated to their state to do a similar thing in North Carolina. So I think that that's a really encouraging thing from the standpoint of how we have, in many cases, led this uh, in Grand Rapids. And we've been very successful with it over the course of the last 
uh, year and few months. So with that, I'll turn it back over to Lou. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Miller. All right, this is our last slide. So the purpose of tonight's public hearing is to find out what the public thinks about outdoor alcohol consumption, the locations where it has been allowed, and how those locations have been managed. And then the next step after uh, this evening would be uh, a proposed resolution at your next meeting in one week on the future status of each social district. Thank you, Mr. Canfield. Uh, commissioners, any questions for either Mr. Miller or Mr. Canfield? All right, thank you both. If you are here tonight to be heard on this item, you're welcome to come forward. Uh, you can share your name, please, the city that you live in. We'll give you up to three minutes to speak. Good evening, my name is Richard App. I am the Retail Retention and Attraction Specialist for the City of Grand Rapids. And I just wanted to reiterate something that my colleague Mark Miller said about this. And, uh, one of the great um, circumstances that we figured out about the socials, uh, social districts is that not only um, are people using, are we getting more pedestrian traffic, but they're also discovering businesses in those districts. And I think that's a really important thing that's going on with these. And I, and I really want to encourage us to continue these and, um, and to work with the businesses that are there because it's not just a public health thing that we're doing, but it's also very beneficial to the neighborhoods. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. App. All right, others who wish to be heard on this item? Hello. Hi, welcome. Edwin Colazzo. Uh, I live in Wyoming, but I've lived in Grand Rapids since 17 until just recently in order to start my business. So um, that was my quote that they shared. It's, it's been such a significant boost in our business, and it's given us an opportunity to show how creative we are not just as brewers but also uh, as community uh, bridge builders um, we had eight ten concerts that we were able to have in the park and not have to pull permits because we we're part of the social district and so we were able to uh, activate a park that they've been trying to that the city's been trying to activate for years and we just had to belong first and then try second and so without the, the opportunity to have the district or the zone, that just wouldn't have happened. And so uh, selfishly, I'm here to say we should keep doing it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you coming out. Good evening, Mayor and Commission. Uh, my name is Josh Lunger. I'm the Senior Director of Government Affairs for the Grand Rapids Chamber and a Grand Rapids resident. Um, I just wanted to say briefly uh, how excited we are for the chance to speak on this, to be here. I remember back in, must have been April 2020, calls uh, partnership with DGRI, with the city, trying to figure out what we can do. We didn't know we'd be in this. I mean, it's been a year and a half. And thank goodness that this partnership led on the creation of these. We're leading right now on the extension. I'm excited that we'll be able to get rid of this conflict with special events so we don't have to worry about that in the future, hopefully in January, um, as the legislature approves that. Um, but this type of um, proactive, flexible, uh, let's get things done and problem solve exactly why it's great to be in business Grand Rapids. Um, I, I love that we're able to do this. We're able to say, okay, we're going to try something completely new, a little bit scary. Um, we created this new. Uh, we know we're in unprecedented times, so we're going to try it. And we're going to be flexible and we're going to adjust course where we need to be. And I hope that we continue to innovate on these things. I think you'll hear from business owners tonight, but we've heard it for the last year. 
how this has been a lifeline and opportunity. It's returned some vibrancy to our streets. And I'm excited to see as we go through this winter, and we know that a lot of these businesses, a lot of these corridors want to keep these in some capacity, regardless of the circumstance, what it means for our city in the future. So um, I want to thank you all. I want to thank the staff. Um, there was a ton of staff work behind the, t behind the scenes that I think most of this community doesn't get to see, um, that I had the honor to see and um, know that they started with the social zones, went to social districts, and what it means um, to the small businesses in this town. So um, we have our full support of this, and we hope that you'll continue extending these uh, in the future. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Paul Lee, uh, owner of um, one of the owners of All in Hospitality Group, which uh, represents uh, three restaurants on Wealthy Street. Um, uh, I can't say enough uh, positive about the social district that we have. Um, it's benefited us in terms of increasing pedestrian traffic on the, on the uh, sidewalks, which has actually had a positive effect in terms of slowing traffic down on Wealthy and, and those side streets there. Um, one of the things that, that really uh, came to benefit us was, um, like many restaurants uh, right now, we're facing, we face staff shortages over the summer. Um, by having this social district, it actually allowed us to slow the service down when we had limited seating in our spaces um, and allowed people to get takeout uh, drinks and food. Um, and so they weren't actually in our spaces, but we could still keep them in the area. Um, and that uh, ex was extremely beneficial for us um, when, you're, when you're operating at 50, 50%. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd love to see this come back. Um, if I only had one negative was the fact that we had orange barriers instead of the concrete ones that we couldn't decorate. Um, but outside of that, uh, um, we, we, we'd love to see it come back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lee. All right, others who wish to be heard on this item? All right, seeing none, I'll close that public hearing, and this will be referred back to our Committee of the Whole. All right, next up, we'll take us to our last opportunity for public comment tonight, and this is public comment on any other item. Again, the rules stay the same. We ask that you do put your name on the clipboard so that we have it down accurately in our minutes, uh, and then that you share your name, the city that you live in, and we'll give you up to three minutes to speak. welcome uh, hello um, well uh, my name is April and I'm here tonight uh, to speak with um, the uh, third ward commissioner Sunita Lanier and Nathan Yamudi and to Rosalind Bliss I have a very serious issue that has come to uh, my doorstep that it was just very shocking for us we had a situation where we had to uh, uh, deal with a judge on a legal basis for which um, uh, that situation uh, was hopefully, or is hopefully cleared up. Um, because it, it appears that this judge is a little disgruntled about the fact that things didn't go their way. And they basically sent a personal threat to my house, threatening uh, my family. And this is from a judge. This is not a court order. It does not have a uh, case number. It doesn't have anything that says from the courts. Uh, 
This is a personal letter that was sent because this judge is angry about the way things went. And I am here uh, talking to my commissioners about this. What is going to be done about this? Because if I can't go out my house or drive down the street and watch, I have to watch my back because you have a city official that is threatening me when we obeyed the law. My husband is a man of the cloth. We are preachers, we are ministers, and our job is to take care of everybody, is to love everybody. We care about all of you. We care about everybody in this audience. We care about the city of Grand Rapids as we believe that God has called us here to see about the city of Grand Rapids. We were having a problem and we handled this legally and perfectly. We didn't raise a fist, we didn't bow a knee, we didn't cuss anybody out. We don't talk that way. We handled it legally and properly. And this judge is angry because things didn't go their way. So they send a personal threat to my house, threatening our family. Now I have to watch my back, and this is a city official. I mean, who are the criminals here? This should not have happened. I will, be, I will see to it that Commissioner Moody and Cindy Lanier, they know about this situation, but I'll see to it that you get everything you need so that you can look into this. We want everything that is due us, you know what I'm talking about. I want everything that is due me and my family, all monies or anything that is due us. We want this and we want this taken care of it and we want it over with. And I want to look into this. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, April. And April, can you, um, can you please make sure I get a copy of that letter? If you're, com are you comfortable sharing? Pardon me? Are you comfortable sharing a copy of that letter? I will share it with you this week. It'll okay. be given, uh, it'll be submitted this week okay. when we have or, the other papers. Or here. Asante may be able to help you do that tonight. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? Hi, uh, my name is Allie and I'm the president of Justice for Black Lives. Uh, first, kind of want to say other struggling people, if you're struggling with something, other struggling people are not the enemy. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, but on November 22nd, our organization released a statement in response to the GRPD statements in regards to the events that took place on November 20th, 2021. Following our press conference against police repression, the Grand Rapids Police Department released their official statement in regards to Saturday's event. However, their statement is still completely inconsistent with the events that actually took place on Saturday. It was stated that two people that were arrested that day had outstanding warrants, one of them being James Henson of the Young Black Panther Party and Christian, a fellow anti-fascist organizer. However, neither James or Christian were even made aware that these warrants existed until they were in handcuffs. Um, with James' warrant not even being printed until he was already in the back of the police car. It was also stated that officers acted with quote-unquote professionalism and respect and that no one in the, within the group was targeted or harassed for any personal characteristics. However, our trans activists who were also present that night who were continuously misgendered even after correcting officers on their pronouns begged to differ. And I should also add this took place on Trans Day of Remembrance. 
According to Sergeant Dan Adams, previous events hosted by our organization included ordinance violations, openly displayed firearms, and failure to follow order, lawful orders by the police. This is also inconsistent, given the fact that the last interaction we had as an organization with the GRPD in which they've made any orders, and I mean with a megaphone, was over six months ago on March 8th. As an open carry state, it is also fully legal for peaceful protests to carry guns without interference from the police department. In the beginning of the pandemic, we have seen very less than peaceful protests following the stay-at-home order. While these uprisings were taking place, many peaceful protesters, not peaceful, excuse me, many protesters were also seen with guns. However, the response from law enforcement was much different. I wonder why. The protest that took place in Rosa Parks Circle on May 18, 2020 is a perfect example of that. During this protest, attendees also open carried guns the exact location that we host a majority of our protests at. However, not a single arrest was made. We stand by our statements that we made, and the GRPD continues to abuse their power against marginalized activists. For the GRPD to say they deployed extra officers for the safety of the community and protesters is almost laughable. Five protests had at least 10 rifles pointed at them, all due to a warrant that they didn't even know existed. On October 5th, 2021, the city of Grand Rapids declared racism a public health crisis. However, they remain complicit with GRPD's act racism towards BIPOC activists. Can you continue this for me? Since Thank you. Your time's up. time is up. Black Lives Matter, by the way. Got it. My name is Kirk. I live on stolen Anishinaabe land in the third ward of so-called Grand Rapids. Policing is inherently a racist system. It started off as slave patrol and is so deeply infiltrated with white supremacists that even the FBI had concerns of white supremacists seeking affiliation with law enforcement to further ag their agenda. For the city of Grand Rapids to declare racism a public health crisis while neglecting to address the racism from the Grand Rapids Police Department is hypocritical and displays a lack of leadership and control over GRPD. We are demanding that the city takes a stronger stance against all forms of racism, as well as hold the officers of GRPD accountable for their harmful actions against marginalized peaceful protesters. As of right now, eight activists are facing unjust charges given to them while practicing their First Amendment rights. For the next six weeks, we'll be continuing our hashtag JFBL Drop the Charges campaign. During this campaign, we will continue to uplift the voices of activists who are currently facing charges, as well as providing resources to the public. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you commissioners about safety tonight. That's something that you have for a long time claimed to care about, right? It's something you say at the beginning of every meeting when you say, oh, we care about the, the safety and the comfort of everybody in this room. But there are so many safety concerns that we have as citizens that are being ignored. For example, for months, probably over a year now, we've been, or, well, since we began in-person meetings, we've been demanding that there's a call-in option so that these meetings are accessible to all people because it's not safe for everyone to come to these meetings. And yet, there is still no call-in option available, directly endangering members of this community who have to choose to prioritize their voices as citizens over their health and well-being. Not only is it an issue because of the inherent ableism in not allowing someone to, per to 
um, participate virtually. It's also dangerous to even get here. There's no salt on those sidewalks out there, and we were walking in. If anyone has mobility issues, they're at increased risk of falling because of that. And they can't call in because you will not allow it. You are not making that an option for the safety of everyone. And speaking of the ableism that you have perpetuated here, I was very concerned during this entire hearing because I was trying to focus and pay attention to what people were speaking. I was trying to, like understand all of the things that were up before the committee for voting on, and I understood almost none of it. I'm a person with two college degrees. If I, someone who has been incredibly privileged to receive that amount of education, can't understand the basic meetings, then what Thanks. about everybody else? Justice for Black Lives. Thanks. My name is Nico. I live in Grand Rapids. I would like to take this time to discuss several topics. The steps and platforms on the front entrance is dangerously dark, icy, and snowy. In the winter months, it gets dark sooner. With these meetings starting at 7 p.m., I believe it's the city's duty to make sure the area is well lit and salted effectively. I believe that there should be time for ideas and concepts to be explained in ways more easy to understand to the general public. Um, GRPD should be reduced to 32%, defund GRPD to 32%. Um, also, there is a climate emergency and it has been declared a climate crisis, yet no steps have been taken in order to reduce the effect that our city has on the environment. Um, also, I feel that the actions of GRPD on the Saturday that was discussed previously was very unacceptable. There should be no reason why police officers are pulling up seven, eight, nine, ten deep with several guns on people. That's completely uncalled for. It's not right. And people need to be held accountable for coming to situations, overexerting their power, and knowing that they're feared in the community because of the way that they treat others and using that fear in order to further assert power over people. Thank you. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? Hello, my name is Sol. I live in Grand Rapids. Um, I wanted to say that we should be defunding GRPD to the mandated 32%. Funding police in any capacity is investing in maintaining white supremacy and colonization. We must actively divest from these harmful colonial structures and invest and reallocate funding into our communities, focusing on real crime prevention and safety that prioritizes access to resources, such as housing, education, healthcare, both physical and mental health, and other basic human needs. I also want to state that we should be holding our officers accountable in the same way that doctors have malpractice insurance and can be held accountable for those actions. We should be doing that for our officers, and I don't know why that isn't even a thing, because it seems pretty much like common sense to do. Um, I also want to demand that we drop charges against peaceful protesters who do not deserve any of the trauma and the prolonged um, 
just, I don't know, the city is a complete joke and the double standards that we see here employed onto our black and brown community, employed onto protesters, and then we see complete other treatment towards either white activists, white protesters, and um, white supremacist groups. Um, I also want to say that we need to make these meetings accessible. Not everyone can come here for a whole number of reasons, and if you want to hear from the community, you would eliminate that barrier. I also want to say that we should be declaring uh, the climate crisis as also an emergency, and that we should have some actions and steps taken to back that up. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Others wish to be here? Hello. My name is DeAndre Jones. First of all, I'd like to say uh, I want to give my condolences to the families who lost their lives in uh, Oxford. Just because I was the kid who brought a gun to school years ago, I was the kid who brought the gun to East Kenwell High School, so you could still look up my articles online. And uh, it's just been crazy, but uh, as my life just turned around, like I just recently got asked by the juvenile detention uh, to come speak to the kids and speak about my story. So um, I just really want to be able to help kids reduce violence and teach them conflict resolution skills just because I believe that could have been uh, definitely avoided if uh, schools and uh, people actually take signs serious. Uh, and I just know how it is to have people look at you like you're a danger and then changing your life around. It's easier said than done. Um, also, Link Up is having a uh, coat giveaway. They're doing it's called the Share the Warmth giveaway. Uh, it's for hats, gloves, uh, throwaway blankets, and more. Uh, that's December 18th at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, you actually have to register for that. So if you had know somebody that's homeless or somebody that may need a coat or anything, please sign them up because somebody may not, uh, they may be able to walk to Link Up, but they may not have a phone or some way to be able to get that, those items because it's going to be cold and a lot of people may not um, have shelter. But I know people would rather have a coat if they had anything. Uh, I got a very durable coat, so I know how it is. And I've been to Alaska, so I know how it is to be in a very cold environment. Um, uh, I don't even really know what to say, man. This is crazy. But uh, also, I want to shout out to Nature's Relief. Uh, it's a medical cannabis company that's going to be opening up in the first ward. I was there th with them through the whole planning process. Uh, I actually, if you actually go inside that building, I'm going to actually help them provide the architects. So I actually watch uh, me give community feedback and being uh, involved in the cannabis uh, space because I'm a cannabis lover. I love smoking cannabis and uh I actually got to see this, uh, the interior be designed, and I was a part of that. So if you happen to go on that, just know that DeAndre Jones was actually helped build that interior in there. Uh, also, um, I really just don't know what to say. It's crazy. But I'm going to definitely keep my time going. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm just, it's just crazy, man, just because I'm just, I'm just really excited. But I just really hope that y'all use these community resources. Also, the, uh, the, um, the uh, participatory budgeting process. I posted that on my Facebook. You can get on my Facebook. I do post wild things on myself, regardless of who I'm around. So just be a fair, fair warning. But uh, I posted the participatory budgeting process flyer, and I told people in the uh, third ward, People always complain about projects and not seeing economic development, so I want to see those ideas. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Jones. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? Good evening, commissioners and the mayor, Mr. Washington. It's been a while since I've been here, and I'm so glad to be um, 
participating again in city commission meetings. My name is Jolanda Howe. I live in the Creston neighborhood in the second ward of Grand Rapids. I'm part of Grand Rapids Homes for All, a group concerned about the uh, a group of concerned residents advocating for equitable access to quality, affordable housing for all residents. I'm here to speak about a couple of issues. Uh, first, being the Affordable Housing Fund which has the potential to do incredible things uh, in our city, um, bring about new ideas, new ways to invest, and new priorities for development. Uh, but we must have the right people around the table who can identify how the system is failing, where barriers exist, and what housing solutions make sense for our city. So I ask you to appoint at least three members of the board who have personal experience navigating the affordable housing crisis here in Grand Rapids. The board must include people who rent homes in our city, people who have experienced homelessness or housing instability, people who are paying more than a third of their income on housing because that's who the fund is intended to benefit. We need the wisdom of experience to shape investments that this fund will make in Grand Rapids so that every family and individual can equitably access quality affordable housing. I'm so grateful to hear that Tabitha Williams, Desiree Mitchell Garcia, and Latrice Harrison have all applied for the, to serve on these boards, and I hope that you'll consider appointing them. And I want to thank especially Commissioner Repper, because I know that you have um, actively sought residents to apply to this board so that community voices can be lifted up. Uh, secondly, I want to just deeply appreciate the work of Parents for Healthy Homes in the Raise the Standard campaign, and I just ask that you would please um, work, work hard to make our uh, inspection process something that will protect all the children in our city. Um, along with inspection process too, I also want to encourage the city to take a more proactive approach to um, making renter or making landlords and property managers um, truly accountable to their responsibility to the residents of Grand Rapids. In my understanding of how our, um, our landlords uh, learn about their responsibilities, including things such as um, not discriminating against um, source of income or the affordable housing, I mean, affordable, the, I'm sorry, the rental application fee is through violations or through uh, the RPOA uh, workshops or city workshops at the RPOA. But I would like to see all landlords and property managers receive a packet of information that says, here are your responsibilities to the tenants in Grand Rapids. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, like thank you, Ms. Howe. Good to see you. All right, others who wish to be heard? My name is Donnie, and I'm the Vice President of Justice for Black Lives. I'm a local organizer, protester, and I would like to demand that the all charges be dropped. I wanna start these statements with all charges be dropped against pr protesters. It is our First Amendment right to go out and protest however we choose. It is our First Amendment right to go out and protest. I would also like to demand to defund GRPD to the mandated 32% on police budget. I would like to say that just because GRPD is constantly being caught by the public not doing improperly utilizing the resources that you give them each year by the money that you give them, the limitless money. Right now it's at $56.4 million, but it's set to be at a higher cost. 
only for GRPD to improperly use these the, the resources that you give them by brutalizing peaceful protesters, brutalizing the black and brown people of our community of all ages. I would like to reinstate I would like to reinstate the statement of of making this meeting more accessible to everybody. Again, as everybody as a couple people have already said, making it more accessible by calling in, making it more accessible to hear from the public because this is our 3 minutes of time. This is our time for you all to hear what our problems are. If you don't make that accessible to the to the community, I I find it highly offensive to have a participatory budget that doesn't involve the community. It only involves hand-selected people that you want to hear from. We also have problems. We are a part of the community. I've lived here for 29 years. I will be heard. We, we say things, we like to declare things of, of racism being a public crisis. Where are the steps that eliminate these uh, uh, racist, systematic oppressions, systemic oppressions on our on our communities? Where are we uplifting that? What are the steps? We might we we say things like climate control and trying to better and trying to be trying to be the best at climate control, but we don't we don't actually take those steps either. The city spends more money, more money on the defense and protection of GRPD, of police officers, than it does their community and protecting their community. I would like to, as my last statement, reinforce the insurance on GRPD. We mean insurance as in make them pay for their mistakes on the black and brown community of Grand Rapids. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? I'm Casey Thompson from the Third Ward. I'd like to respond to some things that I've heard said about us during these meetings. First of all, we're not children. I have several children of my own, as well as children who I have guardianship of. We're not children, we are raising the next generation. We're not uneducated. I personally went to college for early childhood education and business management and ultimately cosmetology. We're not unemployed. I own my own local business. It's well and thriving, and it took more education than the Grand Rapids Police Department. It would be very helpful to have phone accessibility for these meetings. It's not ideal for families, and that's the most privileged ideal situation that I can mention. We aren't here for you to listen to us. We watch you drink Mountain Dew and swish it around in your mouth. We watch you itch, scratch, sleep. We're actually here so that our voices can be recorded on public record. Things that have come from that, the insurance specialist from DHS contacted me after she, the first time that I brought up the initial idea of police paying for their own liability insurance. People are hearing this. Just last week, there was a person who came and it was her very first time ever coming to one of these meetings because of the meetings that she's been watching on TV. We are here not for, it's, it's beyond a conversation between 
us anymore. We're just here for our voices to be wrote down, actually beyond you. We understand that you're not listening. We don't listen when you talk either. We play things like name the shiny shape on Washington's forehead. It's like it's a game to you, it's a game to us. When it was virtual, we did watch, watch Lanier's bun disappear and reappear on the green screen. It's hard to take you seriously because you come up with things like cure the violence program. Then you have them have a meeting and they come up here and I see five or six felons in front of me, some of whom are still on parole. So they're not allowed to be with each other, correct? They're not allowed to have weapons. And then they come up here and state that when crime happens in their community, they go address it. So if, that, if they're not supposed to be together, they are completely unarmed. Why are we giving more money to the Grand Rapids Police Department so that they can militarize weapons, they can have tactical gear, and all this self-protection? It's just not making a lot of sense. So you'll see me every week, as well as my family, until you make it accessible. Everything that my children say is not scripted, it's not practice, it's completely authentic. So here they are. Defund GRPD. Hello, my name is Adeline Snyder, and I live in the third ward of the city of Grim Rapids, and all I have to say is um, defund GRPD. All right, thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? I find it weird that how GRPD, oh, I'm Bella, and do I have to say my last name? And I live in Grim Rapids, and I find it weird that Police have so so much money and all this stuff to buy like chest plates, like all that armor and everything. But my teacher has to buy her own supplies for this class. She has to buy her own supplies. And she has to do things like buy the posters to write down things that, like multiplication sheets. And I don't find that very fair because the people who should be protected are the people, not the police, because the police are using that armor to hurt people, and it's not very nice. So, doesn't make very much sense that my teacher has to buy her own supplies, but GRPD gets all this money for armor, and guns, and police bikes, all that stuff, and defund the police. Thank you. Others who should be heard? My name is Aurora, and I live in Grand Rapids. I, I just have to say that it confuses me that there are many people coming here and continuously every week saying the same thing because you will not listen. It's not about... It's not to the police. It's not about it's not about really the armor. It's about making them happy with the money. They think that the money is like one of the best things to them. And it's just like I have a question to ask, to ask. Does it make them feel happy killing black people, hurting black people? 
Does it make them happy? I'm not sure, but it probably does. Defund the police, Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? All right. Uh, I got a few things to talk about. I hope I can say it, whatever. However, going through some issues, I got some felonies. I can't get them expunged. You know how the story go. I got too many. I wait all this time to finally get them expunged. I hear the program all over the city. Sir, I'm you know, sorry, I'm sir. Can you start with your name? My name Cornell Clark, and I'm trying to get my felonies expunged. There ain't no more some petty cases down there 20 years ago. Drug cases. I ain't touch no kids. I ain't do nothing weird. Ain't kill nobody or nothing. I can't get dude just humiliating me down at the program. Overall, now I'm getting evicted. Some little homie shot up my crib because I dropped some diapers off in my baby mama crib a couple months ago. Now I'm facing evictions, and I've been paying my way. It ain't about money. It's about just... I guess um, too much trauma took place in my neighborhood that I've been wondering, asking the officers, calling this dispatch unit, whatever the case, the detective said he retired. I can't begin to tell you all this weird shit and stuff in the city. I'm like, all right, we're, uh, we're a guy at the detective that was on my case because the dude keep walking by my crib. I can't do nothing. Yo, I, if it's to me or my friends, it, it's not the way it goes. So I'm trying to follow through because I got kids. He done shot up my crib. He got bullet wounds all through, through it like it's been a ghost in the house. It don't fear me. I don't, it ain't nothing. It ain't, it ain't that serious. It just, I just wonder if y'all funded to take care of the business, why I got to go through all these loops and I still ain't getting nothing done. And then he looked at me like he laughing and murking me. I'm seeing him all the time. I don't even know what to do. I'm just lost in the sauce. You got somebody sleeping on the floor in the shop and crib. I got to go sleep on the floor because I got funded. I can't go get no, you know what I mean? Can't get a crib. I can't just go. Everywhere you look, they all the application says you got a narcotic weed case. Some you, man, you, it's petty. You be like... I was born, born and raised from 1051 Wealthy to 1207 Cash from the Southeast Side, Third War, whatever the case. Man, I, I ain't trying to vent or none of that case, but it ain't just me. It's a whole bunch of us. And it's just that I'm just trying to say, what I'm hearing all this, falling back, watching this. I ain't to be the judge. I'm just trying to figure out what, what do I to do. I don't know what to do. I'm spinning the circles, too. I don't even know what I wrote down. I'm just, it's what it is, man, coming from the heart and, uh, I hope something happened, but other than that, that's my story. Thank you, Mr. Clark. All right, others who wish to be heard? Hi, I'm Mark. I'm from Grand Rapids. I looked at some stuff on YouTube from last year, but the the rioting, the rioting that's hap that happened here. I had a few observations about this. The actual protesters was basically about 250 people. And all of a sudden, when it came to the police station, it, it was like it came from, it ended up being like 15,000. Why? Because you had individuals who came from out of town blended in with the actual protesters and once the actual protesters left the police station the agitators waited till the sun come down and that's when the chaos became that's when the chaos began not good you didn't see it happen in detroit i know we got i know there's kids in here but 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go keep it clean for what I'm gonna say. Look, the 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 writers, they didn't they, when they got to Detroit, they wasn't gonna go burn downtown Detroit. You know why? Because residents was there. They was gonna get their butts whooped if they tried to do it. Didn't happen here. Next time, if something happens like this, if we, if we, if we have a, if there's a, a similar rally, the actual protesters should send people out and write down license plate numbers on vehicles from out of state. And I guarantee you, this is what happened in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The, the, murder, the murder who got away with murder Kyle Rittenhouse. People from Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, they didn't go to Wisconsin to visit Wisconsin. They were there for one thing, to wreak havoc. Now, in closing, I want the FBI to remove J. Edgar Hoover's name from that building. The George Wallace, George Wallace's name removed from that tunnel in Mobile, Alabama. Because racism, a public health crisis, it's been a public health crisis since the dawning of time. And trust me, I've seen racism before. I've seen racism all over the country. Not good. Thank you. Thank you. Others wish to be heard? My name is Marlo and I live in the third ward. At the last meeting, I spoke about the false promise of free speech because of the violent suppression of black voices in this city. This meeting, I'd like to speak about the false promise of equality. Our founding fathers made it apparent that when they said all men are created equal, they had no intention of establishing any equality. Today, we live in the legacy of that false promise. I've had many interactions with the police in my life. No matter the reason I was stopped, I was always greeted with a smile and let off the hook. One night, I was pulled over and expected the same treatment, and I got it until the cops saw my address and realized I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. Then his entire tone changed and he searched my vehicle, eager to make an arrest. That night, it struck me how quickly I was treated differently, simply based on where I lived. And it also struck me that I can move, but black people cannot strip themselves of their blackness simply to be treated with equality. Fast forward three years, and I'm driving home from work, and I see my neighbor in handcuffs, pressed against his car in what I now know was a routine traffic stop. And it's the first time I see this man without a smile on his face. It's the first time I see him without one of his daughters in his arms because they are clinging to his mother, to their mother, watching their father be pushed into the back of a police car. GRPD was searching his vehicle because they had seen a baggie on his floorboard. And do you know what was in that baggie? His daughter's barrettes. When we all got back to the house, my neighbor pulled me aside and said, thank you for stopping and recording me because last time they beat me and I didn't want my daughters to see that. 
And that's why I'm really here tonight, even though it feels like you aren't listening. After all, wasn't it your God that said to love your neighbor? My neighbors have to live with the fear of being beat, the fear of being killed by the police in the streets and even in their homes. And that is the reality of the false promise of equality in America. And every time you open your mouth to say that you're addressing racism in this city, but fail to hold GRPD accountable, you participate in this false promise. Every time you say that racism is a public health crisis, but refuse to give resources to the black community instead of the police, you participate in this false promise. And the only way to even come close to making this right is to listen to the activists that this city is charging with felonies and misdemeanors. Black Lives Matter, thank you. Thank you. Others who wish to be heard? Hi, I am Ariana, and I live in th on the third ward of Grand Rapids. I have a few things I want to talk about today. One of them is something that one of my siblings also addressed, the fact that our teachers have to, su have to supply our school supplies so that you, the Grand Rapids police can have more armor and more weapons. Name one time any, of pro any protesters have came at police. Why are they the ones that need all the armor when we should have it? We are the ones that need to be protected, not them. Also, any time one of my siblings was up here, you were on your phone and not listening. Why is that? Is it because we're kids? Is it because we're saying things that you can't handle because it's the truth? Also, every single one of you knows what these meetings are for, but every single time we have one, every person has to come up and say the same thing in different ways because nothing is happening. Defund GRPD. All right, others who wish to be heard? Hello, my name is Cindy Hicks. I live at 1049 Sheldon Avenue Southeast. Um, what was one time the third ward, now it's the first. So I'd love to hear from Mr. John O'Connor since I called over six weeks ago. I'd love to hear a phone call back. Um, I'm really grateful today for the children that came to speak up because um, my child still suffers from police violence from what she saw happen to her father on her front doorstep. And um, I just had a phone call with my ex-husband just a few days ago, and um, he was very suicidal. We still live through that trauma, and he's still waiting, uh, going on six and a half years for his U visa case to be reviewed by an examiner um, from a different case because he was a, a victim of a racially motivated crime since we lived next door to uh, the only white guy on the block that harassed all of our black neighbors, but the police didn't do crap. Um, 30 years now, I've lived in 07, and um, I continuously see it get worse. Um, the last time I spoke to the chief when I was here at one of the meetings, he openly said that the officers no longer receive Institute for Healing Racism training. I find this to be a problem, especially given the amount of violence, including my own family, the day-to-day -day trauma that we still live with. Not only it affects me financially, I personally have shelled thousands of dollars out of my own pocket for the the actions of the GRPD, causing severe harm and physical damage to my ex-husband. 
that money could have went to my child, could have went to her education, it could have went to a whole lot of other things besides me personally shelling out money out of my own pockets. This continuously happens, and I'm appalled that people who show up just to speak up and protest without violence, standing up against violence for people like my family, are jailed. It's sick. I don't know how we got to this point, but at least there's little children that showed up today to speak up for my kids, because my kids are too mentally unstable. I'd like to thank St. Mary's Mercy, Mercy Health for cutting the only Spanish-speaking trauma provider over a year and a half ago due to a budget cut. I have to wrap it up quick, but I think it's BS that there's very little mental health services, but lots of people making money out there, including Commissioners Tyson and Sparks on mental health awareness when they do lots to perpetuate it with slave wages for $10 an hour cash, justice for black lives. Thank you. All right, any final comments? And then I'm going to close this comment period. Hi, my name is Shane. I live in the Third Ward. Um, on November 20th, I was one of the people pulled over on the Trans Day of Remembrance. The protest had ended. Um, I actually haven't really publicly spoken about this, which is... This isn't where I wanted to do it, but that's fine. Regardless of how you feel about police, the budget, um, criminals, the, the system, racism, um, I think it's wrong. It's, it's wrong to have someone who's afraid and who knows that their life in that moment has very little meaning. Walk backwards with their hands on their head and kneel on the ground while they have several officers with guns and rifles aimed at you for nothing. You can look me up. I don't have an arrest because I wasn't arrested. They tried to arrest me. But thank God, I've already been arrested and I know a few of the rights that still stick around. Because otherwise I'd be in a cell right now. No, sorry, I wouldn't be in a cell right now. I'd get out pretty fast because it's kind of a broken system that they will throw you in jail, put five people on their knees so that they can get $100 out of a fake warrant. It's sad. This guy over here, I saw him when, when, when one of my friends asked if people liked hurting black people, killing black people. And he shook his head. No. And honestly, I, I was a little surprised by that. Didn't expect it. And that's a sad thing, that that is a shock to me, to meet someone who will say no. That's the problem. That's where we've gotten. So I don't know his name. I don't know if he's actually good. But for one second, there's at least one cop who I have the smallest amount of faith in in this stupid freaking city. And I hope you do something with it. Because this system is broken for you too.
And make sure you're talking to us, please. This system is broken for you too, Rosalind Bliss. Thank you. You can address all your comments to this body. Then I am. Thank you. But you are not an officer, so you don't understand what I go through because you're not out there to see it or to do it. Are you addressed? All right, others who wish to be heard. My name is Brooklyn, and I live in the third ward. And all I want to say is defund GRPD. Thank you, Brooklyn. I'm going to close that public comment period, and I'll turn to my colleagues, and I'll start down here with Commissioner O'Neill. Um, Mayor, thank you. Um, <clears throat> thank you for those who have come out and the comments that were made this evening, um, the input on the public hearing, as well hearings, as well as the um, public comment. Thank you. Thanks. Commissioner Rappert? Yeah, thanks everybody. I, I want to give a thanks to Brandon Davis and his office for all your work on that surveillance policy as well as to the NAACP. Um, I'm excited for uh, those changes and it was, I know that it was a lot of work and I'm also grateful to Assistant City Manager Doug Matthews who spent some time with Commissioner Yasasi and I today talking about participatory budgeting and Jeremiah Grassi also gave me some time as well to discuss some things that are important to me, so I'm grateful for the, the work of the staff. And uh, I do want to remind people, it's, I know we're all tired of talking about COVID, but it is continuing to be present in our community, so please do everything you can to be safe. Thanks. Commissioner Sassi. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I echo my thanks today for the presentation from Mr. Davis and the collaboration that went into that policy review. I'll look forward to it coming um, before our committee of the whole again. Um, last week, Commissioner Lanier and I had a chance to go to the graduation for the Drive for Success program that um, is a project to help individuals to be able to receive their driver's license for young people in partnership with the GRPD, uh, Boys and Girls Club, and um, with our SAFE Task Force. So there was a number of students, um, and I'm just appreciative of looking at some of those uh, pieces that might be preventing people from school or for um, employment opportunities. Um, so that was nice to attend. Um, we talked a bit about our corridor improvements authorities, and I would agree with Commissioner O'Connor. Um, we had our look back with our North Quarter um, CIA, and there was a number of investments and good work done by city staff. So many thanks to people like Jessica and Tom and Kristen out of our economic development department and um, um, and Mobile GR just for connecting on um, different pieces for that. We do have an event that's happening in North Quarter tomorrow, Lights On for Creston, so I encourage if it'll be outside and have lots of opportunities for social distancing. Um, also a reminder that the neighborhood match is open, so when we talk about where some of the investments made that are led by individuals, that is a program. Um, I know we put some pieces out last week and we'll continue to move forward with that process. And lastly, I, I do want to say, you know, there's some comments that are made as it relates to different funding. I feel like it's necessary on our body to talk about sort of um, what we actually hold. So we don't hold any of the funding for our school districts, whether it is at the, the ISD level or GRPS. We have people who have served in that capacity. That is not money that we uh, put out into the city. Um, so I think that is important to note. And for the record, Commissioner Lanier, I, I like your hair. <laughs> Thank you. 
I, uh, Commissioner Moody. No, ma'am. Okay, Commissioner Jones. Thank you, Mayor. I too want to recognize uh, Brandon Davis as well as uh, his office and his work with the NAACP and others in, um, I think, leaning in in a very significant way around the surveillance policy. I too am looking forward to having that communicated uh, very clearly and concisely to the community. And also want to recognize all of those who came out on this evening with your public comment and uh, want to say good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I, uh, my heart continues to break for the, the folks in the Oxford community and the tragic events of, of last week. And so it we just. Don't care about everybody, but Ma'am, it, it, it is not your time to talk. It is his. It is it is his time to speak, not yours. You have had a chance. You know what? If you do not allow people up, we'll adjourn. I'm adjourned. We're adjourned. Done. We're adjourned. Did you even name one of the children's names? Or do you only remember the one person?